This is Behold, a VBC podcast. Our goal is to examine biblical truth that will better equip you to behold the glory of the Lord more fully in your daily life. And without further ado, here is the Behold podcast. Well, hello and welcome to the Behold podcast, dear listener. Got quite a fun day for you today. We've been, uh, Dan and I were just chatting and we're in between some busy weekends, which we'll get into in a second, but we're excited to be with you today. Bit of a spoiler there, Sean and Dan, as usual. Yeah, I mean, it's funny because we always introduce ourselves or the guests or whatever, like it's some big reveal, but the the the, the roll up to the show always tells us. Oh, I've st- I stopped doing that. You stopped doing I, that? I, I cut oh. it out. I don't want any spoilers. Oh, that's good. That's good. So today is Sean and Dan, and in this chair right next to me, it's we a have, Holy Spirit. Uh, that's what I was going to say. Wow. What? We should be friends. Well, hello uh, again. Welcome. It's me and Dan and the Holy Spirit today, and we're talking about. Daniel 7. Before we get into that, Dan, why don't you share a little bit about uh, how your weekend was? Yeah, it was great. Uh, ha- happy belated Labor Day weekend to everybody. Uh, my the, my family and I got to take a team up to the Santa Cruz Mountains to Camp Koinonia and lead worship for this really cool uh, family camp that they do up there. And so different families from different churches all over the area uh, kind of converge to um, this beautiful campground and, and we just, we hunker down and we um, have just amazing times of, of uh, sitting under some, some Bible teaching and, and singing together uh, for worship and in prayer. And then it's just all this, these fun activities and we eat together and we, uh, there, there's a talent show one night and it's just, you know, all the fun things that you do at camp, but you do it with your whole family. Fine. And so there's just kids running around everywhere and, uh, all kinds of sports. We had a we, we played a lot of pickleball, lot, a lot of basketball, a lot of uh, frisbee throwing and football. And uh, <clears throat> they have this really fun thing, outdoor laser tag. Wow! Yeah, where you kind of just run through the forest, uh, you know, shooting people with uh, these laser guns that look like machine guns. Pretty That's fun. Not to love. Um, but it was really fun. Got to bring a couple uh, members from our our worship team here, and then joined up with some of my friends from Santa Cruz to form this kind of Frankenstein band and just, man, it was just such a, such a blessed time of, of, of worship. And, and, uh, so shout out to Rebecca French and Henry Olford who came with me. So I've been doing this camp for maybe about 10 years with a couple of years, uh, in between not doing it because of COVID, but it was first time for Henry and Rebecca to come and they, they both did an amazing job and kind of, uh, we adopted them into our little family, you know, for, for the weekend and, it's just cool. I mean, God just does some amazing stuff up there and it's just a really special place. And so it was, it was a blessing. I also want to give a shout out to Ryan Weber and to Dell and Christelle um, for holding down the fort here, uh, leading worship. They did an amazing job. And so uh, super grateful that I can go and just kind of, yeah, do what I do, but in a different context, you know, a few times a year, I think it's really healthy for me and, and uh, kind of, I always come back revitalized and, just excited about ministry here. So it's cool. Sean, you, you and Patty have come with me a bunch of times to the, to this family camp. Sure have. Uh, we missed you guys this time. Um, yeah. So how was your, how was your weekend? I feel like we, we, we haven't had like a, uh, like a Wendy update in a while. Like what's, what's Wendy up to these days? What's, what's new? She's stinking cute. She is cute. She said, uh, she said truck and she said Turkey yesterday. That's, oh, that's cute. Very exciting. 
Uh, yeah, when he's one and a half almost. And uh, yeah, it's just such a fun, you know, as I'm sure all of you parents out there can relate to this sentiment, but it's just, they grow so fast and they become so human so fast, mm-hmm. you know? And I, in some ways I just so miss the intro, just a little like nugget, you know? But now every single day, it just creature. seems like, yeah, it seems like every day she's just learning new things or doing new things. And it's just such a fun, exciting process, you know? I will say she's been cutting through like four molars for the last few weeks. Mm-hmm. And she just finished that. So hallelujah. That is a blessing to our life. Yeah. Um, but no, here our weekend was good. It's one of those weekends where I think Patty both Patty and I both in our spirits just wanted like to rest. You mm-hmm. know? Yeah. Actually the last two weekends kind of felt that way. Um, and then just uh, for whatever reason, how it worked out, it's like every day we have things happening, you know, like people over for ministry dinners and just thing one, one thing after another. Um, but it's just one, an, an example where what I wanted was rest and what God wanted was not that. And he mm-hmm. was right. And it was great. You know, and it yeah, was that's good. life-giving and fruitful and, and all that kind of stuff. So yeah, if we saw you this weekend, thanks. Because we, we love you guys. Cool. And then, uh, Sean, why don't you tell everybody what's coming up big for, for us this weekend? Wow. Yeah. So we, uh, the, the name is quite the, the, the game each year for this trip. Mm-hmm. But every year, once a year, we as VBC staff take a trip uh, for a couple of days and just get out of Dodge. And it's been known by many names. Once upon a time, it was called a uh, retreat. I think it's been called a trip before. <laughs> it's been called a bolt hole. Uh, and this year it is called our collective, our VBC staff collective. And Why does the name keep changing? Explain. Well, in some ways it seems silly, and the other, and at the same time, it's just like anything else. You know, you want to name things based on their purpose and based mm-hmm. on their intent. You know, and it, that kind of shifts each year depending on where we're at as a staff. And sometimes what we really need as a staff is a retreat. We just need to go and have some solitude together. You know, and really just mm-hmm. seek the Lord and be still together. Um, and of course, we're going to do aspects of all of those things every year, but um, just the, the emphasis changes. So this year, we just feel like there's a couple matters that we really want to collectively um, just seek uh, consensus and, and unity in and um, yeah, just kind of kind of grow closer knit as co-laborers, you know? So that's what the collective name this time is about, is we're yeah. specifically having some hours long chunks where collectively we're just going to hash through some stuff, you know, in love, of course, but um hash through things that we're we're praying and are convinced that time will be beneficial for our faith family and for God's kingdom. And yeah, we're looking forward to that. Yeah. So it's going to be a lot of meetings, a lot of discussions about tough things, uh, a lot of prayer and just, uh, I think our schedule is going to be pretty packed. So if you, if you beholders out there could, uh, just be so kind as to pray for us while we're away, pray that the spirit would guide our conversations, pray that God would just pour out his wisdom on us. Um, pray that we would just be diligent in seeking his wisdom uh, through scripture and, and just through just waiting on him. And, and my, my big thing, whenever we leave the, these collectives is I just, I I pray that we have some good action steps, right? Because I think a lot of times we have really robust conversations and we, we tackle some tough issues and then we're like, wow, that was a great talk. And then we just come home, you know, but I just, I want to really, you know, just pray that we, God lays out some some great like next steps for us and and yeah shout out we're giving a lot of shout outs on this little intro but shout out to Tim you know Tim Barley our executive pastor who really is is just leading the charge on all this stuff and and um, he has um, just been doing a great job of 
kind of like listening and praying and just thinking through what are the different issues that we need to tackle. And so um, he'll be leading the charge this this weekend. And yeah, we'd appreciate your prayers. Yeah. And just uh, you know, a quick note on that. As you can imagine, it's kind of a unique work environment to work a full-time ministry in a church, you know? It's this weird balance that we always talk about amongst ourselves is just we're, we're a business, but we're not, you know? Mm-hmm. It's like we have to operate as a business for a lot of reasons, but at the same time, we're absolutely not a business. We're, we're a family. Yeah. And so finding that, that, that balance and that tension between those two things is not always easy. And so, man, dear Tim is, has a, has a large task ahead of him mm-hmm. doing that. And he's been doing great so far, but um, we're looking forward to that. So yeah, pray for us. We appreciate that. We went down to Santa Cruz, Santa Cruz. We're staying at this rustic little camp, uh, kind of YMCA vibes, uh, right, right by it the is, beach. Yeah. Uh, it's called camp Santa Cruz. And Sean and I are going to be bringing our longboards. Uh, we're definitely wow. going to try to get down to, to uh, East Cliff and skate skate along the, the the cliff and the beach for a little bit there. Maybe 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 slide on down to Cat and Cloud. Get a get a little cappuccino or something. Actually, one of my favorite. Now we're just ranting about the collectives, <laughs> but one of my favorite parts of that is that usually every year you and I will find a little window and we'll just go down by the beach at some point and just pray for a bit and. That's just so valuable, you yep. know, as leaders yep. and as shepherds. So we're looking forward to that. Sure. But people here today are not here to listen about our collective plans. So <laughs> why don't you tell people what we're digging into this morning? Yeah. So we are going to be recapping J- Daniel chapter seven. So if you've been tracking along with us, we've been just taking this journey through the book, the Old Testament book of Daniel. And hopefully you've been encouraged. You've been learning some new things. Hopefully God has been uh, really just transforming you as, as we've been learning just about what it means to, to serve a sovereign God, to, to stay faithful to him in trying times. And, uh, Daniel seven is just kind of, this, kind of this weird trippy little chapter with, with a lot of prophetic things happening. And so Charlie did a great job of unpacking that. Um, and if you haven't had a chance to listen to it, I encourage you to go back and listen to it. Uh, you can always see our, entire church service. If you missed it, if you were out of town on our YouTube channel, so we'll head, head over there if you haven't heard the message, but um, there's a lot of different things we could be talking about uh, on this, but I thought maybe the place where we could start the conversation, Sean, is where Charlie ended the, the message on Sunday. And that is just talking about our preparedness for the second coming of our savior, Jesus. So we know all throughout scripture uh, that the, that, Christ would come, the Messiah would come, um, and he would uh, make this path towards salvation known uh, through his His atoning work for us on the cross, and that he would come back to life, and um, that he would ascend to heaven and, and, and go to the Father to prepare a place for us. But we also know in Scripture that he's coming back, that there will be a second advent of Christ, a second coming of Christ. And so really that's what, what Daniel is... is um, is, is being prophetic about here in chapter seven. And so the the place where Charlie really landed the plane and, and challenged us towards is, Hey, how, how are you preparing yourself spiritually for the return of Christ? And, um, there's a, there's a lot of different things we could, we could kind of spin on that, but, you know, one of the things that I was digging into is this, this passages that Charlie gave us to read Matthew 24 through 36 through 25, 40. 
And there's some really amazing uh, parables that Jesus teaches just about uh, our, our readiness, our preparedness. And so maybe we can just start the conversation there, Sean, you know, did you get, have you gotten a chance to kind of look into those parables at all? And, and, or maybe just in general, like what, what are some, what are some things that you were challenged with just about regarding your own personal preparedness? Yeah. Well, I think uh, this is a cool part of Daniel to me because uh, the first six chapters really kind of focus more on, you know, Daniel's individual like history with God mm. and absolutely God is showing up in amazing ways during that time, but really just proving his faithfulness. Um, yeah. And it's kind of this like time and time again, God is so amazing and better than anything else, you know? Yeah. Yeah. But then Daniel seven is cool now because even though it starts getting kind of dark in some ways, um, now the focus shifts to not only is God who God is, but Hey, this is coming. Something mm. is coming, you yeah. know, and obviously we're talking about Jesus is coming, but also the destruction that comes before that. And, mm. you know, the, we're digging into soon here, Daniel nine, which is obviously a lot more of that as well. But I think it's a, it's a, it's a good focus because now we're talking about God is great, but also this reality is coming for us, you know, and what does that mean in our lives? And so I love that we ended with that, that, that reality that we got to live expectantly, you know, got to live with expectant hearts in, in Matthew 24, you know, Jesus is talking about this exactly. Actually, before that section, I think Charlie started us in 36 or something like that. But earlier, Jesus quotes Daniel. He talks about what Daniel mm. says about the desolation that's coming right before he says a lot of stuff, you know? So, so he's making it very clear, like, guys, this is real stuff that's coming, and here's how you're meant to be living in the meantime. Um, and so, you know, it just I think it prompts a lot of different thoughts, a lot of different convictions of just... Um, even though, you know, starting off in that, in that 36, I think it's when Jesus is talking about, Hey, no one knows when it's going to be, no one knows the, yeah. the day and the hour. And so even though we don't know the time pressingness of it, still, we know that it's limited. We know that there is a time and there is a day. And so it's just kind of that, that same thing we've talked about before on the podcast, which is, are you living every day like it matters in this way? You know, are you living both in your own heart, expecting and hoping, and it kind of reminds me of, Second Corinthians five, four or five, you know, we're yearning for, for our heavenly dwelling, that, that, that tent, you know, or getting out of that tent. Are, is that the status of our heart, you know, or are we just going with the flow and doing what the world wants us to do? Mm. And at the same time, you know, not only are we yearning for the beauty of Jesus and this new covenant that's going to be promised to us, but like, dude, are we fearing this desolation? Are we mm. fearing like what's going to happen? And is that convicting us to, to save the people around us? Yeah. You know, yeah. Like that classic picture of a train coming for you. It's like, am I going to mm. tell people this is coming or not? You know? Yeah. No. And, and it's kind of an interesting, it's two different things to hold up in that regard. It's, it's man, I'm so grateful that I'm in Christ and that there's no condemnation and I don't have to fear Christ as my judge. Um, I know he's going to judge me and, and he's going to evaluate how I invested my life. He's going to evaluate the, the work that I offered, the things that I built. You know, we've talked about that a lot on the, on the podcast. Right. Um, but I don't have to judge, I don't have to fear that he's going to judge me and condemn me. Mm -hmm. Right. And so it's just this beautiful thing. I can't wait for that to, to walk into that, to, um, to not have to deal with sin or death or sickness anymore, you know, and where every tear will be wiped all of God's promises will be fully, you know, realized. But also on the other side of that, it's like, there's, there's people I know in my life that I love that I see every day that I bump into, you know, on a regular basis who, who are not in that 
net. (laughs) They're not in that boat with me. They're not, their names aren't written in the Lamb's book of life. And yeah, like there, there, there should be, um, an eagerness, uh, a, an intensity, uh, you know, fire lit up under me so that I can, um, really just live in a way and speak in a way that helps people understand that that reality is coming. And if you look at Matthew 24 and if you haven't had a chance to read it, it's Jesus tells some really interesting parables and you, and I think you see the tension of those two things. Right. And, and I think we get a little insight as to what it means to, to be ready. Um, so the first, the first one is Jesus talks about, you know, the fig tree, um, Let's learn this lesson from from the fig tree as its branches become tender and as it puts forth its leaves and you you know that summer is near, right? And so he's also saying like, hey, pay attention to the signs, right? I'm telling you, this generation will pass away, right? Um, there, there's these things, these great things are going to, are going to take place and, and pay attention. So I think that's the first thing for me is like, man, it's so easy for us to, just get um, so bogged down on what the world, what's happening in the world that we're paying attention to politics and we're paying attention to social change and we're paying attention to our children's education and our own career development and our retirement funds and whatever. And we're looking at the wrong things. We're, we're not, we're not seeing like, Oh man, things there, there is going to be an end to this age. And so, pay attention, I think is the first thing. So where does that sit with you? Like how, how, what's one way that you kind of um, make sure that you're paying attention to the right things? Like, and how does that help you be, stay ready? Yeah. Well, I try to listen for the Holy Spirit's help with this a lot Yeah, because it's kind of sneaky, you know, especially if you're on the internet a lot and you're on social <laughs> media, it's just it's terrible re- idea. Terrible idea. Get off the internet. <laughs> really, really. It's, it's Satan who's cunning, you know, right. Satan's so deceitful and loves to make things seem like not as they are. And it's just so easy right now, especially in today's political climate, to just get sucked into stuff, you know? And so I try really hard when I ever read, like, any anything that's, like, even mildly political mm. to to just do a quick little breath prayer. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah, spirit, give me clarity here, you know? Because everyone's trying to convince you of their viewpoint and of how the other person's, you know, a demon spawn or whatever it is. Mm. And I just know so many brothers and sisters who I love dearly, who I know love Jesus, and yet this these things just consume their attention you know? yeah yeah consumes their heart they get so angry about things and of course like if there's injustice in the world then we should be angry jesus was angry about that kind of stuff mm. when he was walking here you know but does that overtake our 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 excitement our 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 desire to see jesus coming now it shouldn't but it, it often does you know and so i think just that simple pro- step of holy spirit help me guide me can really do a lot to, yeah. to, to shield you from that. That's you know? huge. That's huge. And I think that, you know, fits in really well with the, the second parable that Jesus tells in Matthew 24. And, and you, you started us off by talking about verse 36, right? He, no one knows the exact day or hour when the son of man is going to return. And so the, he, he talks about um, the days of Noah. He says, when I, when, when I come back to establish my kingdom, uh, it's going to be very similar to the days when when the flood came, and, he, and it's really interesting. He's like, even though Noah was was telling everybody, "Hey, this is going to happen. <laughs> this this terrible destructive thing is going to happen," he says, 
uh, people were still eating and drinking and marrying and giving in marriage, e- even until the day Noah entered the ark. They all thought he was crazy. Yeah. They they all were, were, were saying, there's no way that's going to happen. Well, guess what? It did happen, <laughs> right? And then he goes on to say... Um, you know, it's this, this coming of the son of man will also be like two in the field, right? Both are out there just kind of doing their thing and then boom, one's gone. Right. Um, and so there's this sense that the master of the house, the owner of the house is going to come, uh, and we're, we need to make sure that we're not asleep when that happens. Right. Um, and he says, you know, if you, if you, uh, if you're awake expecting a thief to come, right, then the thief's not going to come in and break in and steal all your stuff yeah. because you're, you're, you're ready, right? Well, he's saying, so will it be when I come back? I'll come like a thief in the night. You will not know. So you have to stay awake. You have to stay alert. alert. You have to be sober-minded, you know? So I think that's something we should, we should really focus on too is like, I think so much, and we've talked about this before, so much of the way that our culture is designed is to just lull us to sleep, right? We just kind of get in this zombified state of like, I wake up, I go to work, I go to school, uh, I pick up the kids, I go to grocery shopping, I do my stuff, I hop on the social media, you know, video games, I do all that. We just get like, we get in this zombified state and Jesus is like, man, when I come back, like, let me find you awake and alert Mm -hmm. and ready. Uh, Where does that sit with you? No, absolutely. And I think like, even as you're, as you're saying that, I think the idea of like routine and just mm. kind of the grind of life is like really relatable to everybody, you know? Mm-hmm. Like I was even just thinking one little thing that, that happens in my brain frequently, where it's not necessarily like that. It's not like I feel like I'm being sucked into all these different things. And yet just the days go by so fast, you know? They do. And I I will frequently think, this is a funny little part of Patty and mine, mine's life. Every morning we have the same routine where I'll wake up first um, usually before Wendy or, or, or um, Patty. And then soon after, Wendy will wake up. Patty's the last one to get up. <laughs> and Wendy will wake up and she'll be in her What crib. time does all of the cat wake up, though? That's what I would Like 3 a.m. Maybe she's the first one, okay, actually. Okay, fair enough. Uh, but while here, Wendy wake up in her crib. I'm like, okay, so every single morning, I'll go into Wendy's room and get her out of her crib. And this is the fun thing that, that Patty does. She'll hide under her blankets in, in our bed. And so every day, I'll get Wendy up and I'll snuggle her and give her mm-hmm. just a second. And then I'll walk into our bedroom and I'll lay in our bed. And every single day, Wendy is so excited, you know, to pop her head up and I'll say, Wendy, where's mama? And she'll instantly go and yank the blanket off of Patty's <laughs> head and she loves it. She's like, oh, there's mama. And That's then she'll so go and run and hug Patty. It's just like this cute little thing we do every single morning. But because it's such a re- repeated thing in my life, there are frequently mornings where I will go and do my walk to get my daughter. And I'm thinking, wow, how am I here again? Mm-hmm. How am I already here doing this again, you know? And totally. It's a, and it's a joyous thing, but it prompts a thought for me sometimes of like, what was the last day for me? Did I use it well, mm-hmm. you know? And that reminds me of the another parable, which I think is in 25, but the parable of the talents. Yeah. Of just, a, am I using our time well, you know? Because I think it's really related to what you are just talking about, the idea of staying alert and not getting sucked into the to to the the grind of of life mm-hmm. is it's not just an awareness but it's it's a doingness too you know yeah. and, and you know Jesus in Matthew 25 gives us if you have never heard it I'll lay it out for you he he explains this parable where there's a rich master with three, three different servants and he goes on a trip he leaves on a trip and he gives um them each some money he gives them he, they're called talents and it's not like skills it's like a, a figure of money 
And in, in, at this time, one talent, I think it's something like seven years of income for each of these servants. So mm. a, just a, a good re- chunk of ridiculous money. sum of money. Yeah. And he gives the first one five talents. He gives the second one two talents. And then he gives the third one one talent. Leaves and comes back. And the first servant comes up to him and he says, Master, I, I, I immediately, as soon as you left, I went and I traded and tried to increase these. And now I have 10 talents. So he gave him back 10. You know, and the master's like, oh, good servant, you've been faithful over little, so I'm going to give you much, basically. Come and enter into my joy. He's he's stoked with his servant, you know. Then the second servant did the same thing. He traded his two and I guess four, presented his master, please. Master is stoked with him. He said, yeah. man, you've been faithful over little. I'm going to give you much. Come be, become, mm. be in my joy. Then the third servant, he says, hey, I, I want to protect what you gave me. Mm. And so I dug a hole in the ground and I buried it to keep it safe for you. And now you're back. So here's your one talent back, you know, yeah, yeah. and he scolds him. He's like, what are you thinking? Mm-hmm. He's like, what are you thinking? You should have been trying to use that and invest that and get more out of it. And instead you did this foolish thing, you know? And, and I think th- what that is for us is, man, we've all been given gifts. You know, we all have been given amazing gifts and this plays in a lot of different ways. But one way that I'm thinking about lately is just how many people that I know and love that I know are not using their gifts to serve people, you know? Yeah. And it's like, man, are you using this time that, that we've been given before Jesus comes back to to increase God's yeah. kingdom or not? Totally. You know? totally. And as I'm doing that little like that morning routine of just, oh man, here, here my whole day just blinked and here I am again. It's like, <laughs> yeah. did I use did I use my talents well on this last day? Yeah. Did I invest them for God's kingdom or did I not? You yeah. know? And even me even you, like we work full-time in ministry. It should be relatively easy for us yeah. to, to say yes. And there's some days where I'm like, I'm not sure I did. Totally. There's, we have all the same challenges that, that, that other professions do, right? 100%. It's easy for us to just show up and, and just get to the to-do list and, uh, make it about, uh, you know, efficiency, productivity, self-promotion. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, uh, it's easy to just kind of charge through and, and not invite the Holy Spirit in to, to guide our day or, or to, um, to not have the eyes and mind of Christ when I see people, you know, or, or to not just be focused on, on kingdom work. Like it's, it's really hard for us too. We still have those same struggles, you know? And I think it's really interesting about that parable of the talents is like the third servant who, who was, got scolded, like he was afraid, mm-hmm. you know, and I, and I can't help but think that COVID has done something to our brains, you know, in the mm-hmm. church, right? It is, it, we're the church life. We're all the way back. Okay. We're like doing all the same stuff we were doing and more in some ways, uh, since pre COVID, but, uh, our church family is still kind of by and large, like on the wings, you know? They haven't, a lot of us have not re-engaged in serving in just the um, kind of like nuts and bolts kinds of ways that it takes to to have a family operate and, and run here. And it just means a lot of, a lot of people are carrying a lot. And, um, and then, you know, another, another way that I, that I think about it is, is um, just with our, our own efforts in sharing our faith with people. And just like you beholders struggle with that, we struggle with that too, you know, and just being intentional with our relationships and making the most of every opportunity. And, and man, I just think it's, um, it 
looking at Daniel 7, looking at Jesus's words in Matthew 24, it's just a sobering reminder for us that, that the master's coming back. The king is returning. The son of man is coming to establish his kingdom. And man, I want to make sure that I'm staying alert, that I'm, I'm, uh, that I'm ready, that, that I'm going to have something to show for ever for, for my days here mm-hmm. on earth, you know? And remember, you can't take your 401k with you mm-hmm. in the new kingdom. You know, you can't take all your properties. You, you can't take all your awards and, and achievements and, um, you, you know, your stock portfolio is not going to, not going to last. That stuff's going to get burned up, you know, and it's tough, man. It's a hard reminder, but it's, it's a good reminder. We need it. Right. No, a hundred percent. And I'm just thinking about this. Like sometimes I feel like self-conscious of this as people who work in full-time ministry, yeah. giving this saying in our soapbox, you know, like don't, right. don't value money. Like yeah, go yeah, more, yeah. you know, and I, I just, I could see it being an easy kind of thing for someone to say of just, well, you guys get paid to do ministry. Of course it's easy for you. Mm-hmm. you know? First of all, I don't get paid a lot to do ministry, you know? <laughs> and second of all, most of us, we were doing this ministry before we were paid to do it. And third of all, a lot of us, we worked full-time in corporate jobs before we came here. You yeah. know, like we, we yeah. understand the struggle. We really, really do. And if I ever get fired or leave VBC, guess what? I'll go on, s- going right on back. Yeah, uh, yeah exactly. Yeah. And, I'll, and I'll keep sitting on the same soapbox. It was just, guys, it's not about, the focus here is not this, this resource driven. We need you to serve more. You know, it's a family heart of guys. We just want to see our family being a family. Mm-hmm. You know, we want to see our family be a family. Yeah. And family doesn't not participate in family things, you know? And well, you know, what's you know, what's cool too. Just, just side sidebar, like this, like many things is very easy for us to make it a personal thing. Like, Oh, I'm just going to make sure I'm personally ready. Yeah. Or maybe even like your, your family or, or your, you know, your, your spouse or your boyfriend, girlfriend or roommates or whatever. You're like, okay, let's just, let's just hunker down and make sure we're ready. But d- don't you think this is a, this is a collective thing, right? Because who is Jesus coming back for? He's coming back for his bride, mm-hmm. right? He's coming back for the church. And so as we invest our talents well together to build up this body, this VBC body, then we are together as a community helping each other become more ready mm-hmm. for God's kingdom to come. Yeah, right? A hundred percent. No, but you're right. We do make it about, oh, as long as I'm doing as long as I'm good, then we're good. You yeah. Know? Exactly. <laughs> as as I'm good. Exactly. But I was thinking about this too. You know, I think part of me wants us to acknowledge the 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 evil elephant in the room mm. in this conversation because Come on. I, I'm convinced that you know, Satan is is working his butt off to make exactly what you're describing happen. You know, he mm-hmm. wants people not using their gifts. He wants yeah. people not in community, not in fellowship. He wants anything he can do to keep him from worshiping God, you know? And and he has been for thousands and thousands of years, you know, not just the last two years. And, and yet for a lot of us, we feel like, oh man, since COVID, participation has dropped, you know, like, mm-hmm. oh, COVID, COVID, COVID. <laughs> and, I, and I honestly think that Satan is really stoked to have us talking about COVID and not about Satan. You know, mm, mm. I think he's like, yeah, guys, you, you blame Satan. You blame, blame COVID. COVID. That's great. Yeah, yeah, yeah. When in reality, it's Satan at work. Let's say it how it is. Like at this point, post COVID times, Satan is working his butt off to keep all of us from serving one another, from worshiping God, from being involved. So, so just say it like it is and don't let him do that. Don't, mm. don't let him rob you of the joy of participating in That's life good. alongside Christ. That's good. Be prepared. Be prepared.
Bonus uh, points if you can name the movie. Yeah. Oh, come on. If you can't, then you need to brush up on your Disney. Wow. That was a Disney. spoiler alert. Uh, I mean, it was, a, it was a little hint. A little hint. Um, no, really good. Re- really good conversation. And, and we'd love to hear from you, too. If Like, wh- wh- where did it kind of land with you? And, and how how do you feel like God is calling you to um, just to ready your yourself and, you, and your family and, and this, this community for the return of Jesus. And, and I think there's this cool thing that Charlie left us with, like there's an expectancy, there's an anticipation, right? There's this like eagerness that we should have. And um, it's always good to be reminded of that. I think we, we, we remind, we were reminded a lot during our heaven series of that. And I just think it's so easy for us to, lose sight of that picture. And so I was super grateful for, for that. You know, another thing that maybe we could talk about, um, just kind of shifting gears a little bit is just this use of the phrase son of man in mm. Daniel chapter seven. And you also see it in Matthew 24. And I thought maybe Sean, we could just spend a few minutes just talking about the significance of that. You know, the, 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 that term is used all, all throughout scripture. It's used in the Old Testament to refer to, to just humanity, right? Uh, it's used, the Old Testament writers use it um, uh, to, for, for Ezekiel, um, you know, dozens and dozens of times. And really it captures this, it's, it's kind of just a nod to everything human, right? Every, it's, a, it's a title for humanity. And when you look at what Jesus did, the the, the son, the second member of the Trinity, how he entered into humanity. He entered into that mess. And then he identifies himself as the son of man. And I thought maybe we could just talk about the implications of that a little bit, Sean. Like, what does that mean for us to know, uh, you know, this fancy theological term, the, the hypostatic, hypostatic union, um, Jesus is fully God and fully man together, 100% God, 100% man what 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 is what does that mean for us to to focus on that? What does that mean for us as we relate and connect to God? What what, what kind of gospel realities are attached to that um, truth? Let's just kind of kick that around for a little bit, Sean. What what do you think? Yeah. Well, first, maybe I'll just read from Matthew twenty four that that statement of talking about Jesus's return. You mm-hmm. know. Yeah. It says, "Then will appear the sign of the Son of Man in heaven." And then all the peoples of the earth will mourn when they see the son of man coming on the clouds of heaven with power and great glory. Mm. Such a beautiful picture, you know? Yeah. That's funny. It's like we sing these words sometimes, like coming on the clouds with yeah. a song we sing all the time, but people yeah. only know where that's from. Yeah. And it's this beautiful moment. And tied to that is this title, the son of man. Mm. You know, and to me, we we're just, we we're kicking the can just a little bit about this before the podcast, but you know, I think first and foremost for me, thinking about this, I think yeah. it really speaks to God's intentions, you know, regarding his uh, connection and relationship to his people, you know, yeah. because um, in some other religions or, or structures like this, it wouldn't be the case. You know, God is is a, is a, is an all powerful deity that is not relational. Who you just submit to, mm. you know, and, and you worship and serve, but that's it. You know, but God has made it clear through through all of Scripture that that His as we go through Daniel, even that His desire is is to to know and 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 to to be loved by His people. Mm. Yeah, 
And so it makes so much sense if that's the case. If what God wants is for a real relationship with his sons and daughters, Mm. then it makes so much sense that his bridge to those people would be someone who is both fully God and fully man, who can be perfectly relatable and relational for us. You know, that's cool. What better way to, to guarantee that perfect relationship made right through his son, Jesus, than to have Jesus be this, this, this fully experienced, fully can empathize with every aspect of our lives, man, mm. and yet be perfect God. I mean, it's, it's, it's perfect. It's so cool. It's so cool. And it makes me think of Hebrews chapter four and the author of Hebrews is, is basically saying, first of all, it's an invitation for us to, to come and draw near to the throne of grace. And he basically says the, the reason that's possible is because we have a high priest who is able to sympathize with our weaknesses. Mm. He's not this, um, you know, God, like you said, that's distant and far off and, and doesn't get it, right? You think about Jesus's life. I mean, he was born in a manger, <laughs> mm. uh, you know, had all the experiences of growing up and all the challenges of of learning how to walk and uh, getting an education and hashtag adulting, you know, all these, all these things that, that, that we struggle with, like, and, and Isaiah 53 says he was despised and rejected by mankind. Okay. Have you guys ever felt despised and rejected? Mm -hmm. Jesus gets that right. Um, in, in Luke nine, it says the son of man had no place to lay his head. Okay. So he, he wasn't a man of means. He didn't have, all these like rich houses everywhere that he could go. And, you know, he just was, he, he lived a vagabond kind of like life, you know, um, he ate and drank with sinners. Okay. He, he, he rubbed shoulders with people that just, uh, just regular normal people that, mm-hmm. that needed a savior. He suffered at the hands of, of men and he intentionally lowered his status from the King of heaven and he became the son of man. And it's, it's this epitome of, of humility and service. And I mean, it's just so human. All of those things that he's experienced are so human. And so when we go to the throne of grace in prayer, that is who is interceding for us. Mm. <laughs> that high priest, he is mediating this uh, amazing outpouring of grace and mercy and help in our time of need. And so I just love, I just love that Jesus did, did that and is that for us. And so whatever kind of thing you're struggling with, whatever kind of temptation you're going through, I mean, that's the other thing is Jesus was tempted in every way that we were tempted and then some, but he stayed completely faithful. So that's like the deity part. That's the God mm-hmm. that only God could do that. <laughs> and so it positioned him to be uh, the, the lamb who was slain, the perfect sacrifice yeah. to stand in our place at the cross and then to stand in, you know, in the gap right now as he sits at the right hand of the glory on high. And I was thinking even, um, you know, at Jesus's trial, like when he's, when he is, you know, basically being accused of, of blasphemy, uh, the trial basically ends. You can read about it in Matthew 26, when he says what you just, you know, alluded to, he says, I say to all of you from now on, you will see the son of man sitting at the right hand of the mighty one and coming on the clouds of heaven. Mm -hmm. And basically that was the mic drop moment that ended the trial because 
at that point, the court was just so, you know, incest. They were just like, this is blasphemy. And he's just condemned himself to death, basically, you know, but Jesus was basically just saying like, I'm the one that Daniel prophesied about, you know, in, in Daniel chapter seven, I am the Messiah who is, who has come and, and you'll see it one day. It's, you know, so I just think, um, what a beautiful thing for us to think about. And it's easy for it to just be like this trippy theological thing. Like, whoa, it's so interesting and cool. Like Jesus is amazing, but don't let it just stop there. Like, let it go to what you were saying, Sean, just about the personal nature of our savior that he, he, he loved, he loves us so much that he enters into our mess and he stands in the gap and he gets it. And so you can go to him with whatever you're struggling with and, and he, he's there for you. Yeah. That's so beautiful. And I think too, like, not only is it a beautiful reality mm-hmm. and not only should it stir this, this, this grateful response in our hearts, but it's also like in a very pragmatic way, it's very practical of God to, to, to have this be the case mm. because, you know, we know that again, looking through this whole redemptive history with God, with his people, what was his design for us? We were made in his image. Mm. You know, we're made in God's image. And then m- men fell, you know, and then we needed Jesus to come and rescue us and save us. And then now with the help of the Holy Spirit, we're being restored back into that image. And yeah. what is that image? It's of Jesus. Yes. You know, that's, that's the Christian process. We're becoming more and more like Jesus. So it makes so much sense, again, that he is perfectly human and perfectly God because that's the calling for us. Yeah. And for me, it's like a reminder of like, man, sometimes when we're hearing about this stuff, it seems like we consider the, this sanctification process and we consider these rewards in heaven and all those kinds of things as like, those are the the special things or the abnormal things. Mm. It's like a reality check of like, wait a second. No, no, no. Right now is the abnormal. Right now is is what is wrong. Yeah, We were supposed to be in God's image. We're supposed to be what we're working towards already. It's like right now is the wrong existence, you know? Mm-hmm. But because Jesus is that perfect blend of both man and God, we, we, we have this model. And it reminds me of sticking in Hebrews. Like last week we talked about Hebrews 12 that we look towards Jesus, who is the 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 perfecter of our faith mm. as we run this race of endurance. You know, we look to him and that only makes sense if he is son of man, right? Mm-hmm. It only makes sense for us to look to him and, and, and follow his example if he can be followable, which means he has to be human, yeah, right? Yeah. And God. Yeah, and uh, every, everywhere else in scripture, we're commanded to follow Jesus' footsteps. You know, when Christ suffered for us, leaving us an example to follow in his footsteps, that would be absolutely unapproachable. To, to, to do those things if, if God did not make him man also. So just so many, so many actionable things of you. Yeah. It's, yeah. it's an emotional beauty. It's a spiritual reality. You know, it's a strengthener for our faith, but it's also an incredibly practical thing that, that we have someone who isn't just this unattainable, beautiful thing to work towards. No, he is man. And he gave us real specific instructions to follow in his footsteps, do the dang thing yeah. and become more like him. Right. That's so good. And and that's the namesake of our podcast. And and it's it it's where it's what everything comes back to because we cannot expect to see real change, real transformation happen in our lives by our own work, right? Or our own just like, hey, let me pull myself up by my bootstraps, let me grind this out, let me just kind of uh, you know, fix my own self and, and transform my own self. Like 
that's not God's renewal plan. That's not God's sanctification plan. That's not how we become more like Jesus. We, we behold Jesus. And we've talked about that so much, but there's a, there's a place maybe that you haven't read in a while and encourage you to read just, just John chapter one. And here we see that Jesus in his coming perfectly embodied and revealed the character and nature of God. And as, and as we focus on that, what did he do? What did he teach? How did he love people? How did he sacrifice and lay his life down for others what were what was his perspective and his principles and his teachings and and what kind of authority did he live with and and what was his relationship and connection with the father and how did the spirit like move and and and, and strengthen him and, and guide him and empower him as we look to all of that shown in the life of Jesus we we see this archetype that that we are to to grow in the likeness of and and I love how John puts it in in verse fourteen he says. Um, Basically, in Jesus, we see the coming of Jesus. We see the fullness of grace and truth. Just let that sink in for a little bit. Mm. The fullness of grace and truth. How much of our life can be summed up just like the Christian life can be summed up in, in that. It's just being being people who who walk in this gracious kind of like posture, you know, where we're, we're constantly, um, giving people the benefit of the doubt. We are constantly, um, showing favor and kindness to people. We're constantly living with the strength that God provides. Um, you know, we're, we're, we're welcoming people. We're a, we're a people who listen more than we speak. You know, we're people who, who love generously and, and give. And, you know, I just think so much is wrapped up in that word grace. And and you see it when you look at Jesus's life, he is the perfect embodiment of grace. And then on the other side of that, or married perfectly with that is, is truth, right? Because how spineless would Jesus be if he just did the gracious stuff, but he never said the hard stuff. And if you read the accounts of Jesus's life, he had some tough things to say. He laid the hammer down a lot. Yep. Um, and he didn't pull any punches and, but he did it in a, in, in a way that was, uh, he never strayed from what is true. You know, he never, he didn't come to abolish the law. He came to fulfill the law. Like everything he said, um, was the, um, kind of the consummation of, of, of all the teachings of scripture to that point. And he's, he said whatever needed to be said, uh, without holding back but he, but he never lost the graciousness side of it too, yeah. you know? And, and I just think, man, what a cool thing for us to focus on grace and truth. Well, honestly, like it sounds so simple, but it, it really is. It's just that, you know, and it's, it's funny. Cause I, Patty and I, one of those dinners we had over the weekend, I was telling you about, we had a, a couple who's new to the church and they, um, mm-hmm. they come, they're coming out of the Mormon church. Wow. Just a lot to unpack there, you know? No kidding. Um, yeah. But it's just funny thinking about that and other Mormon people that we've, known over the years, Mormons tend to be known for being super nice people. Mm-hmm. You know, like totally. this is kind of culture knows that about yeah. Mormons. Oh, they're, they are so kind. They're so nice. Right. Right. And, um, you know, as we dig, dig into that, we know some of the motivations behind that, which makes it a little bit less beautiful, but culture knows that. And it's just kind of sad that, that Mormons are known for being super kind and Christians are known for what? Like not really that. 
Yeah. Isn't that sad? Yeah. Like, I wish the world would say, man, Christians are so known for being like Jesus. Mm. It seems so simple, you know? And yet, because people aren't doing that process, because people are believing the lies of Satan or getting hung up in the things or whatever, instead they, they lose that balance. They mm. lose sight of that picture. And they, even in, in their, in their, their viewpoint, defending truth, maybe they're standing for righteousness, whatever it is. And they're losing love. They're losing grace Yeah. or vice versa. You know, they're all love and there's no truth. And then, yeah. you know, you and I were talking, maybe this will be my last thing of just, you and I were talking earlier about different churches, you know, and how churches become known for certain things. It's like, oh, this is a, this is a missions church. They, they really go all and do, they, they do missions. You know, this is a worship church. Their music is off the hook or yeah, this yeah. is a Bible church or whatever it is. Yeah. Uh, and I wish that we could just do that. I wish we were just known as a church that, that those people are like Jesus. Simple yeah. as that. Yeah. Everyone there, they love truth and they're unwavering in love and everything else. It just it pours out from that, you know, but I wish that yeah. that was what we were known as at VBC. And maybe we are some people, but yeah. I wish that was like a thing, you know? Yeah. Wouldn't that be cool if it was like, okay, the Bible says, if you want to know what God's like, look at Jesus. And if you want to know what Jesus is like, look at VBC, mm. you know, like what yeah. a, what a cool goal for us to have, you know? And, and and really, I think you can make a biblical case for that, right? That, uh, yeah, that that we are the picture of Jesus that people are going to see until they actually come to faith in Him, right? Like that's that's really how we are to be His witnesses out in the world is we give people a picture of of what Jesus is like. So I think that's a great place to just end end this thing and and just Amen. let that kind of sit and marinate with you guys. So. Um, yeah. Thank you guys so much for listening. Uh, Sean, where are we going to be next week? We will be, uh, you guys will be in Daniel eight and then we at the ultimate in the, the much murky waters to go through of <laughs> chapter nine of Daniel. But, uh, we're looking forward to that together. All right, guys. Thanks again. If you're going to pray for us, for our collective, we're looking forward to that time together and we'll catch y'all next week for behold. And then on Sunday, of course, we keep chugging on in Daniel. Peace and love, everybody. Peace and love. Grace and truth. Ooh, that's yeah. good. <laughs> Bye. Thank you for listening. Be sure to subscribe for future episodes of Behold. If you would like more information about Valley Bible Church, or if you'd like resources from this episode, go ahead and check out vbc.online forward slash behold. Catch you guys next week.